Hi, I'm Hera. And I'm Aisha. And we are the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice, or SMCs. Like you, as SMCs, we decided to become mothers knowing we'd be the sole care provider and parent of our children, at least at the outset. And the Mocha is for Black. We discuss being SMCs from an intentionally Black lens. You'll connect with all the interesting and fun things about this non-traditional path. Like how you decide which sperm to use, the cold, hard truth of fertility, your reality of dating as a single mother who doesn't have a co-parent to rely on for occasional childcare, and what it's actually like to parent as an SMC. This is the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice podcast. Today, we are going to start talking about a topic that's going to become part of a longer series, and this is the concept of choose your hard. We've talked a lot about this, but in sort of a periphery way. So we want to make sure that we sit down and really explain what that means and what that will also mean moving forward as we explore what it is to be an SMC and and why women make this choice and why this choice may or may not be right for you. So Aisha, where did this phrase come from? What does it mean to you? Okay, so the phrase crops up in my head every time when I'm talking to another mom and I share that I'm an SMC or I'm a solo parent or I'm doing this by myself. And the looks that they give is just like, oh, so pity. Like you're so strong. You're so courageous. And, you know, it must be the implication is that it must be so hard. And in my mind, I always say, Parenting in general is hard. Parenting in a relationship is hard. Parenting as a solo parent is hard. Every day we choose our hard. And as an SMC, we choose this hard. We, we've come to this path. We've unpacked a lot of the things that is needed to, to go further in on this journey. And every day we wake up, we choose this hard every day. My hard is possibly a lack of sleep or lack of meal ideas or trying to figure out, do I change jobs or do I stay? That's the hard that I choose every day. And this is coming from the perspective of someone who is divorced. While I did not have children during my marriage, I got to experience what a a particular hard would have been to try to negotiate raising children and bringing children into the marriage. So that's what choose your hard means for me. What does it mean for you, Hera? (laughs) So I, I do also experience from others the whole like, oh, that must be hard. And I think we've talked about this before about how it feels very microaggressive. And I think a lot of times when people say, oh, it must be so hard, it grates on me because it to me comes from a place of ignorance because i think people make the make a lot of assumptions about what we might be going through but i also think that when women are coming to the smc path it's very important to really sit with yourself and figure out what kind of parent you want to be and what what your heart is because what what i might think is hard somebody else might be like oh that's not that big of a deal Whereas, you know, that person on the playground who's like, oh, that's so hard. I mean, that person is coming, is projecting their own experience onto me, right? So they might be thinking, oh, well, I am so thankful that my husband takes the kids while I can go to yoga. 
Whereas I'm like, well, maybe you feel some resentment because you have to actually ask him to watch his own kids, right? So I, I really think that it's important for people to sit down and think about that for themselves. But I also think part of the choose your hard concept is really looking at being an SMC through all the different lenses, because we all come to this from different life experiences. And I think many people come, many people may be coming to this, not having some of the trauma that we carried into this path. And so they may be thinking, oh, the grass is greener on the other side and vice versa. Like I have some friends who are, you know, in, in traditional parenting relationships who are struggling and they look at me and they're like, dang, like, I wish I had done that. And I do think that part of the uh, the idea of what we're trying to get at is also honoring that parenting is hard and yeah. it's hard no matter what path you choose. And so before you assume that my experience is harder than your experience, I think what, what I would ask people to do is just really learn more about what makes something hard and also really be honest with yourself about what type of hard you can deal with as a parent. So as SMCs, we are planners. Uh, at least I know you and I are planners. Uh-huh. And I think you sort of have to be a planner to go down this path because there's so many logistics involved. But for me, before I came to this, I tried to come up with a list of pros and cons. And I did a lot of this in my head and I did it solo first because I didn't want anyone to add something or project something onto my list, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to decide what was going to be my pros and cons for my experience before I started sharing it with family and friends. And so I would also encourage women to do this because people will try to add and project what they think is a pro and con for you. And I think it's better to come up with your own first. And then sure, you can share with your village after you've processed it, but it's important to to come up with your list. So Aisha and I came up with some things that we had on our list. And I want to first start with the cons, because I think that a lot of folks are coming to this like very anxious about all the all the hard, right? So let's start with like the hard of being an SMC. We say that this path is not for everybody, right? We say that, you know, kind of continuously to kind of balance the scales that it's not just all rainbows and sunshine, right? And so mm-hmm. this kind of gets at the heart of what that means because we don't really unpack that. So we wanted to unpack it just a little bit here. So starting with the the cons, go ahead. Uh- <laughs> all right, so let's talk about respectability politics. Now, I think that I actually wonder if this comes up as much in the white community as it does in the black community. We could probably have a whole nother episode on that. But I think that what I mean by respectability politics is like, how do you feel being nine months pregnant with no ring on your finger? Or how are you going to feel walking into back to school night, knowing that it's just you and there's all these couples and someone might be like, oh, where's so-and-so's father? So the idea that the respectable path is the traditional mom, dad, 2.5 kids with your white picket fence. And I think that, so for me, I was already a single mother by chance before I started this path. And so I had already had a child out of wedlock and 
respectability politics, this was not the first time I had stepped out of the traditional. So for me, that that was not necessarily a huge thing, but I will honor the fact that throughout my parenting journey, it has come up multiple times and I've had to sort of check myself to be like, do I really care about this? Or is this just society making me feel like this is something I should worry about? How about you, Aisha? How is this, how did, how did this consider in to your SMC journey? So similar to you, I had already set aside the traditional path, right? I had been married. I had been a rules girl. In my mind, there was a right way to do things. And I think all of that went out the window when I took the bold step to um, get a divorce. And once I did that, kind of the, the veil had been removed, right? I know that I'm not really trying to get married ever again. So I had gone through dating and, you know, still hoping to find a partner in parenting. But then once that panned out and I saw that it was just wash, rinse, repeat, kind of the same patterns, just repeating themselves. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I think I also was at a point in my life where I was looking toward the end and asking for the path of least regret. And I had already experienced relationships, had already experienced marriage. So the the next thing I wanted for myself personally was to experience being a mom. I had always wanted to be a mom. So I was not going to let other people's opinions of what I should be doing no longer factored into the priority of where I saw my life going. And so for me, I had already set respectability politics aside, and I still do. Now, to that extent, I am human. So when I go to things like back to school night, like I did, and I'm not sure if they had childcare on site, I think that's supposed to be a meeting just for parents, but I had my two girls with me and the three-year-old wanted snacks. So we got unraveling the snacks and she's just like, mommy, I want the phone. So she's just like talking and projecting and I'm sitting there and the teachers are presenting, parents are looking at me. I'm like, kids are doing what kids do. You know, so to the extent that I'm human, I do feel more seen when I walk into those those rooms that are more traditional settings, you know, less inclusive in terms of different family types. And so but yeah, at the end of the day, not in a good way. Like, I think that's the hard part is like sometimes we want to feel seen and respected, but sometimes we do not want to feel seen. And when your three year old is kirking out. You don't want to feel seen. <laughs> well, seen, and it's at the end of the day. I'm tired. I'm trying to to make that leap to be there for my kid because it really should be about the kids and not the adults who are looking at you like, why is your kid doing kid stuff? Because my mm-hmm. kid's a kid, right? But also as a as as an SMC, one of the things I kind of set aside and in the pandemic is that I will roll out the house looking the way I look because one, my kid is not going to look back and be like, you know, mommy looked a bit disheveled when she showed up at my play, right? He's going to say, my mommy showed up at my play. And so I'm just trying to make all the things, right? And so when someone's looking at you, when you're, you know that you're presenting less than your best, but you showed up, and you're trying to, you know, corral people who are doing the things that they're supposed to do. And people are looking at you like they don't have kids and it's not a school. And so it's just like, you know, at that point you feel, you feel very seen, but, and it is what it is. Yeah. I think, I think one thing I will say about respectability politics is that I have definitely had to start realizing that I just don't give a crap Mm-hmm. And I have those moments where I'm just like, okay, should I care here? This is uncomfortable. 
But then I also realized that I'm just not the type of person to be like, oh, I'm going to you know, do something because you think this is the best way to go. And right. I've also tried to be very intentional about putting myself in communities and circles that are a little bit more progressive as a result. And mm-hmm. I think this is something that a lot of women are going to have to wrestle with because sometimes the community you start out with is not a community that's conducive to this lifestyle. And if you yeah. choose to go this this path, you may have to realize that there is going to be a purge. And I'm not saying that you should like, you know, not give friends an opportunity, but I I did have to separate from some of my friends who were saying things that I found to be ugly. Like one of them was like, oh, why don't you just go get knocked up at the bar? And I'm like, you clearly aren't listening to me and don't respect that I'm actually trying to do here. And uh, I had some friends who were like, I can't believe that you would bring a kid into this world without a dad. And I really just had to take a take an inventory of the people in my life. And I don't want to move through this world feeling uncomfortable about the decisions that I've made. And so I don't want to be in a community of people who are not going to respect different family structures. And that community can be your family community. It can be your geographic community because many, many a times, depending on your SNC situation, you will decide I need to move across country either to be closer to family or to be in a more inclusive um, community. And it was one of the decisions I made to move to this area. I was very intentional about wanting to be around uh, a diverse single mothers by choice community for my child to grow up in and regularly see children of SNCs to kind of hear the the stories of, you know, um, I used a donor, my my mom used a donor, my bio dad is XYZ, have you seen the donor profile? And so I think some people are physically moving, some people are having to reevaluate some friendships, some people are having to reevaluate the school systems they send their kids to. So it is really, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, And so, yeah, that's a that's a super important one. So even if you don't think respectability politics is something that was weighing on you, it might get to a point where you feel like you just don't want to be uncomfortable with your choice. And that may either force you not to go down this path or just force you to reevaluate your community. So the next thing that comes up a lot is sole financial responsibility. So this is buying sperm fertility treatments from that that point all the way to diaper schooling housing etc like you being an smc you are the only person responsible for this kid so that means there's no child support there's no person you know you're married to who's also paying the bills how did this weigh into your decision aisha well first i will say i think smcs who came before us like the the generation before us did not have a pandemic i think we were essences and then the pandemic hit. And then we have people who are coming to this journey in a post-pandemic reality, right? And so I think that that really does shift things when we talk about soul responsibility, you know, soul, soul financial responsibility, right? Because for many of us, part of what makes this path possible is having quality childcare. And because I have quality childcare, I can go to work and be functional and good at my job. The pandemic caused all of that to fall through. And so many SNCs, I know I had two children at the time, so was really caught off guard because you cannot plan for a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so 
for me, I found myself having to both be the primary caregiver and the sole earner and worker in the household at the same time. And so that stress almost broke me. And I had to end up reaching out in ways that I never really anticipated. I had to be very transparent with work. I had to be very transparent with family. I had to be very transparent with friends because there were things I was no longer able to do for the better part of a year, not picking up the phone, not responding to texts because I was in survival mode. And Mm -hmm. so all of that weighs on us each day. Don't like your job just quit because there's a second income. Well, we can't do that. Don't like your job. Suck it up, buttercup. Right. I I will say though, like, I think that we may have a little bit of a blind spot here with the sole financial responsibility, because I think there's so many different flavors of parenting and relationships and whatnot that I, I mean, I know people in two parent households and there's one person working and that person probably does feel a lot of sole financial responsibility yet they're also taking care of another adult who may or may not be pulling their weight. And so I think that I think that the the scary thing for SMCs is that there's no other adult who should be pulling their weight. But then on the flip side, there's no other adult who should be pulling their own weight, right? So you don't have that disappointment necessarily if the person that you're with is not picking up the slack. Well, Hagar, you're getting into the pros. Let's stick with the cons. I know. I'm just saying, no, (laughs) but I, but I also think that like this as a con is not necessarily something that wouldn't be a con with any other type of parenting relationship. So that's what I'm trying to, I think there's, I think we will obviously speak from our experience, right? And, and sole financial responsibility is something that weighs on a lot of SMCs, regardless of how financially secure you are, because we all know that any, any of us could lose our job at any time. And let's tick, let's tick those boxes off because up until the point where you begin fertility treatments, you're like any other singleton out there in the world, right? But the moment you decide to move this path, let's tick the boxes. You have to purchase sperm, which now costs about a thousand dollars. You have to pick a clinic, you know, IUI, I, you know, IUI costs about 1500, right? IVF is 10,000 to 15,000. And then you go through the procedures, then you have maternity leave. We're in America, maternity leave is not guaranteed. So some of us are paying for full maternity leave, right? And so then you're in the UK, you may not get 100% for the whole time either. So you still have to think about how that factors in. And then there, there are the diapers, the formula, the milk, the pumps, the food, and then there's childcare, which is a huge chunk of, you know, somebody's income. And I think here in our region of the country, it can range from 18 to 2200. So when we talk about sole financial responsibility, it's all of that. And that's just kind of within the first year of life. Yeah. And so, okay, this, this actually rolls well into sort of the next topic too, sole decision-making. So I think with the burden of sole financial responsibility, there's a lot of decisions that we have to make that are very tied to to finances, right? And I think that one of the cons is that there's nobody, look, there's a lot of people who care about my kids, right? We have a very loving, caring community. and, And in my family, just culturally, people are like, that's my kid too. That said, I'm the only person who is responsible for all of these things. And so the decision-making, while this while this could be a pro and a con as well, I think there are moments 
like right now I'm going through school choice and there are moments that I would love to talk to another parent who is as invested with this and who also feels the responsibility of this being their decision to have those conversations with. And, and I don't have that as an SMC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sole decision maker. <laughs> I think we were talking this morning, like I had a, a cap that fell off my tooth and I have to now figure out how to fit uh, an impromptu dentist appointment into mm-hmm. my busy schedule. Right. And um, doctor's appointments, you know, all of these different appointments are coming up and they're all times three. Right. Mm-hmm. And so who's the sole manager of the family calendar? That would be me. So if any balls get dropped, it falls on me. I remember one year I forgot that I thought my kid had a school holiday and it was not a holiday. And so the school called me and was like, oh, your child was absent today. Today was a school day. And my daughter reminds me, you know, that that happened. And, you know, so we're human and having to make these decisions like you, you don't Mm. only think in the moment you're thinking two, three years down the line about how this one decision is going to impact your family down the line. And it does sometimes keep you up at night because it is a lot of mental gymnastics, just thinking about the different levels of detail. And so, yeah, you would want somebody who's invested, who's going to, to be part of that day to day and living that decision right along with you. And it doesn't always happen. So it is just you. And so, yeah, so that can be a heavy. um, So I think with this one, I think what I would encourage women to do is think about the type of person you are, because you, this path might not be for you. If you have a hard time making a decision, there aren't many moments that you can afford to have decision paralysis when you are the only parent. So I'll give you an example of when I was in Costa Rica and my daughter had the double ear infection. I had to act. She was in pain. I need to figure out what what I was doing with the other kid and we need to just go, Mm -hmm. right? And so if I had sat there and deliberated on this and worried about the fact that I was the only person, I mean, ultimately, yeah, you can get opinions from your community, but you still need to be the decision maker. And I know lots of people, and and it's similar with like leadership at work, right? There's some leaders that you're just like, dang, just make a decision, right? Like you just need yep. to make a decision. And it doesn't go well when you have a person who's leading who just can't make a decision or who's constantly doing like, you know, committee decision making, because mm-hmm. that's just not going to work in this path. You need to be, you need to be able to take all of the signals that you need, but then ultimately decide and commit. And even if you end up making the wrong decision, which you will, right, this is not going to be a perfect scenario where you're always getting it right. You need to just accept, recover, fail fast, and keep going. That decision-making thing might actually be something that is harder for some people than others. And I would probably say, you know, if you know in yourself that you're one of these people who like to crowdsource your decisions, I would say start with a list of priorities. What's important to you? Because as much as I am a planner, I do hit those points where there are times where there are decisions that are just more challenging than others. And I go back to what is my list of priorities? And then I use that as my guiding force. So if it is right now is to save money, if it's to do what is child-centered, is it family first? And then you kind of just 
use that as part of your decision-making matrix. And then, so even if you are someone who has trouble with decisions, kind of preemptively create a structure that will help you make decisions down the line. Yeah. And step out of your comfort zone. Like you're going to realize that you have to. All right. So this last one on our con list is something that comes up a lot. And I think this is somewhat tied to respectability politics as well, but there's a lot of people who come and they, they are actually fence sitters for a long time because of the issue of my child will not have a father. And I think this probably for many is a sticking point. And I know for me, I did think a lot about that because my dad is still in my life. And I was thinking, what will this mean for my kids? But I also know what it's like to co-parent and for a bad situation to occur in a co-parenting situation. And for me, I still felt this was, I was, I was going, I felt comfortable having that discussion with my kids and having the discussion of why I chose this family structure understanding that there may be a day that I also have to validate their feelings about that. And they may not be happy about the decision that I made. How about you? Yeah. So, you know, I did think, think about that and try to, to think that through. Don't get any of us wrong. We do think that the male influence on children is important. And so for me, it's something that I know kind of going in that I'm going to to need ways to find ways to fill the gaps. And so that means talking to the the men that you trust that are in your lives and saying, hey, so-and-so has this question. I can't answer it. Can you answer it? So do work toward building trusted adult relationships um, where you feel safe making sure your child has access to a male teacher or male dentist or just knowing going in that there are going to be some gaps that will need to be filled can help you to proactively choose how you go about building your village at particular points in your life. So my, my daughter is eight and so she's just starting to get into the social dynamics of being a child and growing into the tween stages where people do, the children do talk a lot about their family and home structure and what they do on the holidays and vacations. And inevitably you get the the family dynamics where they talk about their dads and, you know, who shows up. And so my daughter asked me this just this week, she said, oh, that's so-and-so, she has a mom and a dad. And she hops in the car, puts on her seatbelt. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, so you brought that up. Does it does it matter to you? How do you feel about that? And she's just like, yeah, no, I was just saying it because we had a field trip and mom or dad could come and both her parents came. And so that was it. So I'm always looking for opportunities to expand on that conversation. One, to check to see if this is the point where I need to dig into my mailbag, my mailbag. And pull out one of the males and say, hey, we let's let's revisit this conversation. Or is it something that I wait until she she gets to the point where she has a feeling one way or the other about it? So it's just something that is on your radar. People grow up in households where there is not a dad present all the time but manage to still grow into functional, capable, positive adults. And so I, yeah. I think though that we also need to be very careful about not projecting our own feelings about what it means to not have a dad onto our kids. And mm-hmm. so I think this is one of the reasons why going to therapy is really important because I think we have a tendency to project our social norms onto our kids. So for example, when the first time that they ask you if they have a dad or why they don't have a dad, your reaction to that could really 
impact how your child feels about it, right? If you just respond and say, well, sometimes people don't have dads and we just don't have one. And it's like, you know, you keep it moving because a lot of times when they ask the first question, they're not asking from a place of like, I'm sad. I feel like I'm missing something. They're asking because they want to figure out their situation and they want to figure out the world. Like that could be a question of like, well, does everybody have a dad? What do families look like? Right. So you're, you're in your head about it, but your kid is just wanting the facts. They're like, I just want to know what's going on. Like, as soon as I know what's going on. uh, And it, and I think this conversation is definitely one that, that will evolve. I just had a conversation with my daughter this morning where she assumed that I don't like men because I do not introduce her to people I'm dating. And so she was like, well, you don't like guys. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't like guys. I go on dates and she's like, and I was like, yes, I do. And she was like, well, how come you haven't told me? And I'm like, because nobody is important enough for me to introduce to my kids yet. And so she was like, well, I don't want you getting married. And I was like, well, hey, I never said I was getting married. I said I was going on dates. But I think in her head, she was probably thinking, well, wait a second. I don't want to share you with this person that I don't even know. And she's all getting ahead of herself. And it's funny because if I had had that conversation with her three years ago, she would have been like, awesome. That means we get a dad. And now she's like, no, I'm good. Because that means I have to share your attention and I don't want to do that. That was like a fascinating kind of evolution of that conversation. And and it's funny because she may not even remember the last iteration of the conversation and how that went. Mm -hmm. Okay. So before we wrap, let's talk about the pros because there are so many, at least for us, there's so many reasons that I'm thankful for this path. And so for the first one, for me, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you probably know that my catalytic moment for becoming an SMC was a very tragic and horrible co-parenting experience. So for me, one of the biggest pros is just no mess, no baby daddy drama, no co-parenting to argue with. And family court is a nightmare. So anybody who has been there knows, anyone who hasn't been there, let me tell you, you never want to go. So that's one of my like number one pros. How about you, Aisha? I think one of my number one pros is that I am control of my home environment. I can create as peaceful an environment as I want. And for me, when I think of home and when I think of homecoming and home goings, it should be a place where you feel your most natural, your most authentic. And it is a place of peace. There's mm-hmm. not arguments, there's not tension. And it, and when I say not arguments, we, we argue all the time within our home, but we know that the foundation is love and respect and, and, and peace and joy. And so for me, it was really important. When I was married, I could see that that was going to be really hard to pull off in my married life. And that sat with me and it caused a lot of internal tension for me. I didn't know how we could overcome that. And so when I went into being a parent, I really thought about the type of home environment I wanted to create for my kids. I wanted it to be safe and peaceful and and a a joyous place. And I have been able to accomplish that. And I love coming home. I love picking up my kids at the end of the day. I love welcoming them home. And so, yeah. yeah. So I think that this, I mean, there, so the pros that we have are very encompassing of the concept, at least to me, of freedom. Because, and I, and I will say this because I don't think everyone will feel the same way about it. And I think this is another thing that women should sit with, because if you don't want 
to have that type of freedom or being, you know, all the decisions. And it's one of those things where it's like some of the cons can be a pro depending on the type of person that you are. Like for me, I love the freedom to move and travel. And I love the freedom to decide that I'm going to move across the country for a job. You can't do that if you have a partner. You can't do that as, as easily without somebody making a compromise. And I also didn't want to have a situation where I had to compromise with my husband's job either. It's hard. And it's just not the type of parent that I wanted to be at that time. So in in addition to the freedom, I think we should talk a little bit about the concept of resentment, because I think in any sort of co-parenting relationship, there is a a part of co-parenting that breeds resentment depending on what your expectation is of the other person and how you perceive that person living up to or not living up to your expectations. Mm -hmm. And so I think that not having that as an SMC is a huge perk. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's an overhead of baggage that I think you carry because you've got two people and you're only in control of one of those people and you need both to give equally into the household, into raising the children. And it is rare that you're in alignment on all things. And so, yeah, I don't want to, to have to expect you to do X, Y, Z and you come at 50% or I come at 50%, but I know in my heart, I'm giving my best, but it is still 50% based on how the other person perceives it. And so that is just a bone of contention. And then at the end of the night, I have to turn around and be intimate with you as part of, you know, my duties at that point, because it's not pleasure for me. It is a duty for me because I don't want to do it. There, there's all of these, these undercurrents of tension that can be at play and it's adult tension, which, you know, impacts the the kids and impacts the household. And so mm-hmm. I don't have that tension at the point that I'm giving birth at the hospital. I don't want to have to manage other people's emotions. When I come home from work and I've had a tough day, I don't want to have to also deal with you having a tough day. And society says that your feelings take precedence over mine. So I have to either eat my feelings, drink my feelings, or whatever I need to do to cope with those feelings. I don't, I don't want to do that. If I think I need to see a therapist, I'm going to book an appointment with a therapist. And if I think the other adults in my household need to see a therapist, guess what? I'm the only adult. So we're all going, all the personalities are seeing a therapist. I think what's important to also... One thing that's super important is that choosing this path doesn't mean you have to be single forever. I think that deciding to separate having babies from a relationship, at least for me, gives me the ability to show my kids, constantly show my kids positive relationships. And at Mm -hmm. the moment that a relationship doesn't remain positive, I get to decide to end it and not have that impact my kids. And I think that's something that you can't get when you have babies with someone, because that person, regardless of how they change or how your relationship changes, you are always attached to that person forever. It's not just 18 years. It's forever because your kid is attached to that person. I think people should not assume that having babies by yourself means you'll be lonely or not have that relationship. It just means that it's that it gets to be on your terms and it gets to continue to be on your terms. 
I am allowed to, to separate the two and I can be my best in both situations because I know when I am choosing to, to be with a romantic partner, I am there with that romantic partner 100% because the kids are with a sitter. And when I'm with my kids, I'm focused on my kids, you know, 100% because I have chosen the SNC path. I think it works for me and how, how I work on a, on a, a social emotional level as well. So, so do do that assessment of yourself and yeah, that's all I got. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks for joining us for an, a new week of Mocha SMC and stay tuned for more choose your heart. Well, pod, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like what you heard, share us with your girlfriends. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So tell us what you thought of this episode on social media. On Facebook, we are at Mocha SMC Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Mocha SMC. You can find additional information on the topics from the podcast at our website at mochasmc.com. Till next time, pod. Bye now.